Hello and welcome to Bring Your Own Popcorn. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, here today with a very special guest. A comedian, a streamer, podcaster, a nice man, and nerd. <laughs> Eric Bowman, welcome to the show. I, I just, I love being introduced as a nice man. Anything <laughs> I'm ever on, I'm going to be like, just tell, tell them I'm nice so they know. <laughs> I love it. And it's true. That has been my experience of you. So it's all accurate. <laughs> I, I've had to like warn people in advance because like it's not up to me, but my head is shaved bald, and I've had people look at me, and I'm like, no, I'm not one of those. I'm a <laughs> oh, nice no. man. I'm. I cannot. I can't buy tiki torches. No. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks. I'm stoked to be here. Yeah. I always like discussing movies. Hell yeah. We are going to discuss a great movie that you've selected mm -hmm. that's very special to you. But before we get into that, we're going to ask some questions to get a sense of who you are as a movie viewer, starting with. What was the first movie that you remember seeing in theaters? The first one I remember, and I, I was told about this because uh, I actually had to ask someone. I'm pretty sure it was The Lion King. Mm. And the reason I remember it is my my uncle took me and my brother. And I mean, that that movie is notorious for making people cry. Mm -hmm. And my uh, my uncle lost it. Aww. And me and my brother are like, what's up with this guy? Like, what's <laughs> happening? Why are you sad? We we just to this day I've never cried at a movie. And that's not as like oh. a like a that's not like a flex. That's more like I'm dead inside. <laughs> and I, I I want it to happen and it hasn't happened yet. But I just remember and like to this day when people cry at movies, I'm like, oh, I'm not I'm not quite there yet. But soon, hopefully. Maybe it won't it wasn't this one, but do you question about that? Do you feel very sad? Yeah. Oh yeah. Or okay. Then I mean, I don't know. It would be different if you were like, I feel nothing as I watch the sad scene. The closest I've been in this, this is super weird. I don't know if you've seen Detective Pikachu. Yes, so good. Right before that movie came out, I, I lost my dad. Oh. And the beginning of that movie, I don't know if you remember, it's just like dead dad, dead. It hits oh. you with it over and over. And I was like, what's yeah. happening? This oh, was supposed God. to be fun. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't prepared. So I have to, I tell people that and I have to like give that caveat of like, it's not because it's Pokemon, which is also great, but like the beginning hits you like a truck. It's like, it's like near up level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I vaguely remember. I mean, that, that movie is just great. It's not, it's not just like a silly, yeah, silly Pokemon movie. It's very mm -hmm. emotionally impacting and kind of dark at points. It is. Yeah. But I, I've seen Lion King since then and I, I, Still nothing, still no tears, but mm. I'll keep you posted. I'll, okay. I'll let you, you'll get a text from me one day that just said like it happened and like I'll, I'll just have cried in a movie. Hell yeah. Yes. Please do text <laughs> me about that. I loved it. Love to hear it. I, I think a lot of people our age, Lion King was their first movie in theaters. Like I think mm -hmm. I've had several guests who it was and, and it was mine as well, but I'm with you on that scene. But it's interesting because for me, it didn't make me cry as a kid, but I also didn't have a dad. So I had always mm. thought that it was like, I couldn't even conceptualize like, what's well, a dad? Yeah. <laughs> Why should I be sad about that guy? <laughs> Why is but... it James Earl Jones? I don't know. It's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, Why is man. it Darth Vader? <laughs> I'm supposed to be sad. <laughs> Why does he always play dads who die? I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're uncovering the theme. I don't, I always kind of wonder when someone gets typecasted as a dad character. I don't know if you remember, but in the, in the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Will Smith's dad, when they like, he comes back into his life, 
is also in How I Met Your Mother as another dad who left. He got typecasted as like a deadbeat dad. That's terrible. Oh man, that is terrible. (laughs) I haven't seen that show, but it's especially terrible if he's, I assume he's black because that has been, there's this like whole stereotype about how black dads are not present and leave their (laughs) families that's spread widely by everybody. And they did studies that show that it's literally the opposite, that white yeah. dads are more likely to abandon their family <laughs> and black dads are a lot more likely to stay with them. So this is starting to make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Other than being confused as to why your uncle was crying, <laughs> what else do you remember about your first theater experience? Lion King and a lot of a lot of early animation, like I love animated movies. Disney in particular really sparked um, a big interest in animated movies for me. And I I think there's so much more you can do with the medium than you can in in anything live action. And lately, Disney's proven that that things should be animated and it's better when they're animated sometimes. But I've always had a, a, a big draw to animated movies, really good voice acting, really incredible animation that has really like i don't know if you've seen uh enter the spider-verse but yes so that good movie is phenomenal incredible just some choices they make of having different characters be at different frame rates it's like it gives you such an interesting visual uh thing to look at that you can't get from a live action movie so i think since since lion king i don't know i don't really remember having this like really awestruck moment with it but they gave emotions to something you normally can't see emotions from mm-hmm. and then i mean the live action lion king proved that they yeah. just everyone was blank faced all the time and it didn't it didn't feel the same Mm-mm. but when it comes to disney disney is is top notch when it comes to animation that's something that that drew me to it because i've seen it over and over again but it's something that I think they kind of missed the mark on is like the importance of voice actors. And they kind of got a lot of Hollywood actors when they remade it. Yeah. But now it's, I think it's something that's taken a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was so disappointed with the live action version because you just couldn't connect with the characters. No. And an, an interesting side note on that. I read that neurodivergent people of which I am one mm-hmm. are more often more attracted to animated animated things because because the expressions are so expressive mm-hmm. and emotive they're much easier to read whereas yeah. like in a live action movie a human face may have very subtle like variations in their face where it's like some neurodivergent people have a hard time reading like okay what is this character thinking or feeling yeah. but in your animated films it's like, <laughs> like yeah really they, they could be there. so hyperbolic with their anim- animations and really get a point across the the scene going around for the the new miles morales movie mm. of just the way he emotes when he's trying to hide things in his bedroom from gwen and still look cool but he's still nervous <laughs> the way he's able to do that i, I as a, a, an actor would be damn near impossible. You would have to be recorded at a lower frame rate to really emote that expressively. And it's something that's achieved in animation so well. Yeah. And I think uh, related to our featured film for this discussion, I think Japanese animation really revolutionized that too, because they do those really fun, like where the style of the animation will change to like a different style, just to show like a particular expression. I love that. Oh yeah. Good shit. Well, what was the first movie that you saw in theaters without any crying uncles or other supervising adults? <laughs> this one, I 60 to 70% sure that I remembered, right. I wasn't really too much of a, a theater goer. 
I'm 90% sure it's it was Rush Hour. Oh, nice. Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. I'm pretty sure that's what it is, because if it's not animated, it's comedy. And if it's not comedy, then it's going to be a martial arts movie. So <laughs> Jackie Chan, I've, I've seen so much of it, so many of his movies, but I'm, I'm 90% sure it was Rush Hour 1, which also I, to this day, Rush Hour 3 is the only movie I've ever walked out of uh, in a theater. <laughs> I forgot they made a third one. <laughs> uh, hmm, I didn't. I, I've never walked out of a movie other than Rush Hour 3. Damn. Just awful. Damn. Awful. I've only seen Rush Hour 2, and I liked it a lot as a nine-year-old. Yeah. One and two, fine. Three, just weird and racist. Mm. That's the majority of their, yeah, no. Bummer. There's the obvious things when it comes to race of a black police officer from the States and then a foreign police officer, like, working together. Like, it's, the the race has to be in the conversation for that, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't need to be the butt of every joke Mm -hmm. of, like, yes, they can't understand each other, but not because of, like, they're in a a weird bathhouse or anything like that. It's Mm -hmm. It was it was really awkward. It was really gross. Bizarre. Uh, and it, it kind of lost what the earlier movies were. The, there's a, a part I'm surprised it never came back. But Chris Tucker's character is trying to explain to Jackie Chan how to like blend in and be cool. And Jackie Chan in that movie liberally drops the end bomb. Oh, that's to try right. to blend in and, and be, yeah, yeah. It's really really awkward. In the first one or the third one? I believe it's the first one. Damn! Wow. <laughs> Couldn't do that today. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Rightfully so. Yeah. Jeez. Is there a time that you distinctly remember going to the theaters as a younger person with no parents or anything where, where mm-hmm. you just had that sensation of like, hell yeah, I'm all alone or independent? One of the times there was a, a really small theater uh, nearby where I live and it was, I think I was maybe like, and I was at the house of my my usual D&D group nice. and they were talking about going to a midnight showing of Fight Club. Oh shit, damn. Yeah, I was like the only person who hadn't seen it and they're like, so you have to go, you have to come with us to see. So it wasn't I, the, like when it first came out, it was no. like a re-showing, okay. It was like a one of like the cult classic uh, indie small theaters. Like it can seat maybe like 25 people. Nice. And we all went and it was midnight and I was like tired and I thought I was going to like fall asleep. And I that whole movie grabbed me. I remember more distinctly than like any of the other movies I had seen younger. Like I remember seeing Titanic when I was younger, which is no one's favorite movie. No one's favorite movie is Titanic. It's it, it's <laughs> no. not not that great. The only thing I remember about Titanic is the only time I've heard someone yell horse shit as a rebuttal to someone. And I was like, I'm taking that one forever. <laughs> but but seeing Fight Club with a bunch of it, luckily, my friends were all cool because, you know, when it's like a movie with a big twist like that, everyone's like, when's he going to react to it? And they, <laughs> they didn't do that. So I, that was probably one of the more enjoyable movie experiences I've ever had. It's it's top five for me. Nice. Question about that movie, because I've only seen it once, and mm-hmm. I unfortunately had the same reaction to it that a lot of men have had, which is to accidentally think that it was sincere instead of satirical yeah to think Mm -hmm. that it was like saying that like this is a cool thing to do like i you know i was 14 and i was just like fuck the man (laughs) yeah this is i took it seriously when i shouldn't have or i didn't i didn't read it properly and then a lot of men saw it that way and were like, yeah, I want to be like Tyler Durden. Mm-hmm. I want to like, that's, he's cool. Like, that's the point of the movie is he's so cool. <laughs> what was the consensus with you and your group? 
the, the thing about Tyler Durden, I think is interesting is that he's so over the top and like, he's less like a normal character and more like a professional wrestler. Like everything <laughs> is so like turned up to 11 that I'm sure that's why as a character, I enjoyed him, but I, I enjoyed more seeing the, whatever you want to call him, the narrator, Cornelius, the, uh, Ed Norton, whatever you want to call him without spoiling it, uh, mm -hmm. which I, I by beating around the bush like this, I probably did. <laughs> it's fine. But I enjoyed watching him kind of react to everything going on. As a character, he wasn't very expressive because, I mean, well, I'm, I'm just going to fucking spoil it. He's Tyler Durden and he's essentially projecting what he thinks he should be and what he's created. And it's a movie not about fighting. It's a movie about essentially a terrorist organization, but it kind of has this effect on people. Fight Club is up there, Wolf of Wall Street, American Psycho, where it's like, if you idolize this character, you didn't really hear the message. Yeah. So the Fight Club is definitely up there for that of like the, there's always like, the, oh, I need to go punch things now. And it's like, it's really just explaining how this is really bad and just the act of like, I'm just going to fight someone to get my emotions out turns into I'm going to blow up this building to get my emotions out. And like, it's it's a warning as opposed to like a cool macho thing. And then they made a fighting game out of it on Xbox and Fred Durst was an unlockable character and they didn't get the message at all. Oh no! Yeah, not great. But it's I, I see a lot of people who are on the wrong side of that movie. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes the the actors are too good that you you kind of you kind of root for them. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened with DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. You know, mm -hmm. he's too interesting of a character for you to outright hate. Yeah, I feel like I see a lot of that in our culture. I feel like it's getting even worse of where people will idolize someone just because they're super interesting. And there is a mm -hmm. difference. Like, absolutely. It makes sense that you want to watch people who are trash fires because it's interesting yeah. to watch. But there's a line that people cross where instead of just acknowledging this is just interesting to watch, they have to go mm -hmm. into because I find it interesting to watch. That means yeah. they're a good person. And I want to be like them. Yeah, that's happened with the uh, I don't know if you've watched the boys recently. I haven't, but I want to see it. And I heard I heard about that. It's, it's I mean, it's it's fucking dark, but there's a, a lot of characters in that that people kind of idolized. And it's like no one's really good in that show. Everyone's mm -hmm. kind of fucked up and it's kind of just a fucked up situation that follows four fucked up characters doing their best to unfuck things sort mm -hmm. of but there's a lot of characters that people have kind of idolized and it's for the wrong reasons and it's like they're obviously in the wrong but politically they're telling a story that mirrors real life a little too closely sometimes mm -hmm. and sometimes people can't see that you know yeah. like there's a character in that that it's kind of like a captain america where he was frozen and brought and ba brought back later mm -hmm. and he's out of touch and doesn't understand things and people have used him as a way to like misgender people because and it's like this is a character that is out of touch and and that's the point they're making fun of you for not understanding these things and sometimes it's lost on those people but what are you gonna do yeah it's just wild because i misunderstood fight club as a 14 year old because i was yeah. 14 and i didn't sure. have a lot of practice in critical thinking and then once <laughs> other people were saying like hey no it's actually about this and it's actually saying this and it's actually a statement on toxic masculinity and the way that we pressure men to be a certain way and the way that they're not allowed to show emotions blah 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 mm -hmm. once i received that information i was like oh makes total sense but yeah. then there's other people who are like just i will take my shirt off and punch jared leto I'm like yeah <laughs> 
<laughs> they're just okay. very stubborn and whatever their first impression was they won't let it go for whatever mm. reason because they're insecure afraid i don't know something i don't know something but yeah they're wrong i usually try not to say that people like people's opinions of art and movies is is incorrect but that's that's the exception. Sometimes the the message is so it's so well done and so well written in its satire that it fools the very people it's making fun of. It's like a Larry <laughs> the Cable Guy situation. It's like he's making fun of you. Yeah. He made a character making fun of you, and that's exclusively his audience. But and that's one way to do it. Yeah, it's so funny the way that happens. So other than the movie that you chose for our feature film, please tell me another one of your favorite movies of all time and why it's one of your favorites. I was I was torn a little bit on this. I have kind of a real answer and then I have a really real answer. <laughs> a, a real answer is The Goonies just because I love that movie. Hmm. But the real, real answer is The Room. Oh, wow. By Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> yeah. I'm not too much of a movie watcher but i've seen the room maybe like 14 times me too so i've seen it at one of the live the live and and met tommy was so oh cool it was literally a meet and greet that's literally what it was he was there and i walked up i said hi and he was like hi good to meet you and then that was it that was that was it i was Amazing. like oh like it was lit he, gre he greeted me and i moved on I, <laughs> that's yep. so funny but I've seen it multiple times. I've seen the disaster artist multiple times going to one of the live shows and having him do the strangest Q&A I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Where people are asking him, like, if you could play any role, what would you want? And he's like, I'm an actor. I play anything. And it's like, <laughs> answer the question. And he's like, no, I did. And then it moves on. But with all the people yelling at the screen and throwing spoons in the air and giant inflatable footballs being thrown around and balloons during the birthday party scene, mm -hmm. I, it was such a blast. I, I had so much fun going to one of those. And it's a movie I loved without that experience and then being there for it. I mean, it's got to it's got to be my favorite of all time, honestly. I love that because it basically you're choosing this movie not because it's necessarily objectively a good film standalone, but because the experience of watching it is is so fun. I, I did this thing for a while, uh, this stupid thing in my early 20s where I <laughs> it was basically like a friendship test where I would mm. invite people over to watch The Room and Troll 2 on like different nights. <laughs> And if they did not like it, I was like, okay, I don't need to be friends with them. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that's, a, I don't think that's stupid at all. I think that should still be done. Like, sit there, we're going to watch Birdemic. We're going to watch Sharknado. Like, all of those. Love, yeah. fantastic. Well, I don't know. I think at the time, my idea of friendship was just so limited to like, well, we're going to watch movies together. What else are we going to do? <laughs> but now it's more like, yeah, maybe we don't have that in common, but maybe we can have we can play video games together. We can mm. go hiking together, whatever. There can be different forms of friendship. But yeah, I, I felt like it was a pretty good like litmus test to see people that I would generally get along with because someone who gets it because there were some people that I showed the movies yeah. to and they were like mad. They were just like, this is so bad. Why did you make us watch this? And I was like, yes, we're just not the same. It'll it'll give you kind of a, a barometer for how honest they are with you. If you're like, what'd you think? And they're like, that's true. It was really good. <laughs> like you can th then, you know, like this is someone I can't like open up to. But like yeah. if I need to go somewhere, they can probably they could probably hang. But <laughs> yeah, I've I've had a handful of people when I tell them, like, I've seen the room a bunch of times. I have a bunch of T-shirts. I have a signed poster and they're just like, 
why? <laughs> and I tell them to go away. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a it's such a fun movie. And I've also done the live showings. Mm-hmm. I also like the disaster artist and I bought the book as well. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the theory that Tommy Wiseau is partially the way that he is because of a horrific car accident that gave him lasting brain trauma? I don't, I don't really buy that from the disaster artist to like, uh, the, I think the book was called the disaster piece. The thing about Tommy Wiseau and about the room is that he's someone who tried really hard and his intentions were really earnest. Not to say someone who had any kind of brain trauma wouldn't do that, but I think it came from such an honest place. I don't think it was as a result of any kind of trauma. I think it was just inexperience. And he just wanted to do something with a friend of his and it went poorly. And somehow it caught this wave of people who fell in love with it like me. It's half laughing at it and half laughing with it. And he found that nice sweet spot and he had to roll with the punches as well. I've seen like early stand-up sets of mine where I'm like, I don't want anyone to see this ever. It's so <laughs> embarrassing. And the fact that he was able to roll with the punches so well, I think he's just a weird dude who does his best and did one thing that he really tried to do something amazing and it kind of fell short. And instead of really being angry at it and being embarrassed, he just kind of went with it. Yeah, I'd be willing to make a case that The Room is the most earnest movie, and that's why it's so popular. Like, I think it's a really good example of earnesty being one of the most important things about making a movie, because then even if you make a bad movie, it's still highly watchable because it's just so genuine and whatever it was trying to do. Yeah, I mean, it lands in the realm of like Evil Dead. It's like it doesn't have that kind of big budget and it's not the most well acted movie, but it's it's something that there was a lot of effort put behind. And I think that's something that can be, and I don't want to talk down about big, like big budget Marvel movies or things like that, but they have infinite money. Mm -hmm. And when you're confined in like some certain settings, whether it be budget or whether it be the technology at the time, and those big budget movies are fantastic as well with things like Jaws and like Terminator 2. And things like that when they can really afford like high budget CGI and things like that. But at the same side, it's the same level of of art you get from things like clerks or things you get. And I, I go to I go to bat a lot for the first paranormal activity movie. They made that movie with no budget. There was one jump scare the entire time and they tried to make you uneasy, but they worked with what they had and they I, I think they executed it really well. But when you get low budget really good dialogue out of movies when they don't have infinite money to play with and you have to kind of force that creativity out of it within those limitations. Very true, which is also, I think, one of the reasons why the original Star Wars trilogy is superior <laughs> to anything else <laughs> like in that uh, franchise. I've, I've seen the original trilogy and I've seen from the prequels one and two, and then I gave up. That was it? <laughs> that, that was it. I, I saw it's Attack of the Clones is the second one. Uh, I think so. Clone Wars is the cartoon, if I yes. remember it. Clone Wars but is I, cartoon. I saw Attack of the Clones, and I saw like the weird green screen, and everyone looked they were, like they weren't really there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like what Anakin became, and it was really boring. And I wanted to see more about the actual war than Anakin. Like you know, it's like I get it. You get like the coming of age story of like Anakin or Luke, but it's like 
I didn't care. Mm-hmm. The trilogy I, I watched way late. I think it was like 2010. I had oh, seen wow. them for the first time. It was way late. Damn. So I, like, I definitely didn't grow up with Star Wars. So it didn't really hit me the same. So I don't kind of have that kind of draw to it. And mm-hmm. I've only seen The Force Awakens out of the new ones and mm. binged watched Mandalorian. But I mean, that's the reason I, George Lucas, and this is what I've heard, that he started on episode four because like, Early on, he wanted the technology to make more of a leap so he could make things look a little more realistic, mm-hmm. which may be entirely untrue. And I just I just made that up. I feel like I heard that somewhere, <laughs> but who knows? We'll it, sounds, know. it sounds real to me, possibly. Overall, how would you describe your relationship with movies? Casual, hobbyist, passionate? Tell me about it. Movies are purely a social thing for me. Mm. To this day, I've never gone to the theater alone. If I can't find someone to go with me, then I just won't go at all. <laughs> and I've missed out on a lot of really good movies because of that. <laughs> and when it, when I watch a movie with a group of people, like I have friends that I've, well, we watch movies, we like stream over Discord and we, we watch those together. Or I have friends who I've forced to watch The Room or things like that. But I, if I'm ever watching a movie alone, nine times out of 10, I'm doing something else. Mm-hmm. I, I could be I'm playing something, writing something, painting something, whatever it may be. I have, I'll have i put a movie on in the background, but it's really rare that I just sit and watch a movie and that's the only activity. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards I discuss it with nobody. But if I go out with a group of people and a bunch of us went to see the second Sonic movie. Oh, nice. And I mean, that was just, that's just it's just a popcorn muncher. It's, it's a mm-hmm. goofy sort of kids movie where every now and then they kind of let the adults in. But movies have always been something I do with other people. And I would rather watch a average movie with four or five friends than a really good movie alone. I love that. That description of yourself, your relationship with movies makes complete sense with The Room being your favorite movie. Because it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I wouldn't watch The Room alone. That would be very weird. (laughs) Yeah, who would do that? (laughs) Crazy. I mean, I don't know. It's just so much more fun to laugh with other people and be like, he just said, like, you quote the lines and stuff. I don't know. I could do that by myself, I guess. Chanting for every panning shot over the bridge, yelling whenever you see water. Yeah. Like, it's, (laughs) I've I've seen Rocky Horror Picture Show once, and that Mm. was my first experience seeing that. So it's kind of the same thing. But yeah, the room, I think, is better. But, you know, we can do. I agree. Yeah, I'm notoriously not a fan of Rocky Horror, but I respect everyone who is. I like Meatloaf. That's about as far as I go. I like Tim Curry. (laughs) That's as far as I go. I've I've heard you can tell a lot from people where they recognize Tim Curry from. Oh, yeah. Where, Where do you recognize Tim Curry from? Yeah, I don't know. I just recognize him from everything I've seen. You know, it. Mm hmm. Rocky Horror was the like the last thing of him I'd seen. Yeah. The first thing was probably Clue that I saw him Clue, in. That, that's actually where I, I think that's the first thing I've ever seen him in. I, I weirdly think Clue or Home Alone 2 whenever I, I think of Tim Curry. Because some people say like legend. I, I don't remember where I heard it, but it's like it, wherever someone recognizes Tim Curry, you learn something about them. <laughs> you don't know. We don't remember what you learn. Well, my wife, like when she thinks Tim Curry, she thinks Pennywise. She thinks it because mm. she loves the old the old made made for TV like miniseries oh. uh, of it. But like I always think Clue. So I think like a, a goofy butler, whereas she thinks a demon clown. Oh, you know, interesting, because even though I think of Clue, like I. Maybe I do think of Rocky Horror because when I think Tim Curry, I just think like sexy, like sex I yeah. thought. <laughs> Which I don't know if that was his character in Clue, but I don't know. Could be. It could be in anything. Who knows? Yeah. He's just always that. <laughs> Even as a clown. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sexiest clown ever. <laughs> now, is that true? Hmm. Let's really dive into that. No. Well, <laughs> not anymore because the internet happened and now there's just all sorts of things you can Google. <laughs> oh, let's not do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cut. <laughs> okay, I will... <laughs> This is the space where the ads go. The future. The future is incredible and we are living it right now. We are living in a world where Darth Vader can Kamehama the Jonesy cat off of my back. The future, technology, it's amazing. I, for one, love it. And you know what's a new piece of technology I just heard about? It's called Newsly. It's an all-in-one audio super app for iOS and Android. It picks up most trending articles on the web on topics that you choose at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. The entire web becomes listenable for the first time, all in one place, Newsly. You can browse articles from topics you choose. Stop scrolling, start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, tech, business, science, Bitcoin, or even the Kardashian. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. Oh, it's just like daddy technology reading you a bedtime story. Love it. And they have podcasts as well. Explore trending podcasts from over 80 countries. Our podcast, Bring Your Own Popcorn, is there too. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me. That's newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code OWNPOPCORN to receive one month free premium subscription. The future is now and it's beautiful. Hey, wrestling junkies. Join Ernie and Michael, two longtime wrestling fans with 30 plus years of wrestling knowledge as we share stories coming to you exclusively from Under the Apron. This season, we bring interviews with a bunch of our friends who are wrestling fans to discuss our favorite era. The wrap-up, which is a recap of 12 plus hours of wrestling that we watched all week, including reviews of TV shows like Young Rock, Heels, and movies that have a wrestler or is wrestling related. We also have a series aptly titled Wrestling with Diabetes, where I journal my struggle and fight with type 2 diabetes. It's just as WWE Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels once said in the skit, it's like another world down there. Find out what kind of stories are hiding and swept as we come to you from Under the Apron. Okay, we're going to get into our future film. Let me say that in a more normal voice. We are now going to get into the discussion of the featured film that we are discussing today, chosen by Eric. This film is an animated cyberpunk action film from Japan that was based on a 1982 manga by the same name. This movie opens with a visual of Tokyo being hit with a nuclear bomb on July 16th, 1988, which was the date that the movie was first released and screened in Japan, which I thought was pretty cool. Cause mm-hmm. I, I can imagine like sitting there and being like, um, is this, is That's that like today. happening outside? <laughs> <laughs> this was 43 years after the first atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima during World War II. 
When director Katsuhiro Otomo wrote the manga in 1982, it was during the Cold War and a pervasive and warranted fear of the military, fear of corrupt politicians, and the ultimate fear of apocalyptic nuclear destruction was gripping the country and thus the story of the manga and subsequent film. After its theatrical and home releases, the movie gained a cult following that spanned across every nation and is widely regarded by critics as one of the greatest films ever made. The film made a huge impact on pop culture worldwide, paving the way for the growth of anime in the Western world, as well as influencing numerous works in animation, comics, film, music, television, and video games. The movie had a production budget of $9 million, and it made $49 million at the box office and $80 million in home video sales over the next few decades. The movie that we're talking about today is Akira. Directed and written by Katsuhiro Otomo. Thank you so much for choosing this movie, Eric. And, and just to get it out of the way, because I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up. <laughs> I say Akira just to, just so I don't. <laughs> I know how it's supposed to be pronounced, but mm-hmm. I, I I feel kind of goofy trying to mimic the way they say it. But no, I'm I was excited to pick this one. I, I love this movie. I think this is my fourth or fifth time watching it. Nice. I think it's, I think it is mine too. I watched it actually speaking of community viewings, there is a really cool indie venue mm-hmm. that shows they have like music shows and art shows and comedy shows. And every once in a while, they'll just randomly do movie screenings. And they were just like, Hey, we're screening Akira. come down if you feel yeah. like it. It was so cool. It was outside and it was like a giant projection yeah. screen. Yeah. It also took place during a full moon like a really special like full moon Mm -hmm. and so the people in the middle of the movie they stopped the movie and they were like okay it's an intermission we want all of you to go climb the hill to look at the moon (laughs) we did that's awesome (laughs) it's so cute yeah (laughs) lovely definitely a good movie to watch with people oh yeah absolutely and i mean and this takes place in the distant future of 2019 yes (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. That that kind of stuff always hurts me. Like, I which know. I I'm upset because like, you always see like things on like Twitter of like when it's the time that Marty McFly came to. Yeah. So I I wish I saw that more a couple years ago in 2019 when this happened. But yeah, true. Well, I think part of it might have been pandemic stuff because I know that I saw someone pointing out that the Olympics were taking place in the movie, the Olympics were taking Mm. place in Tokyo. And then in real life, they also were supposed to, and then the pandemic happened. So they, it got pushed Mm. back to, to this year or something. I don't know. I don't keep up with the Olympics. Well, before we dive deeper into the movie first, tell me in your opinion, what are the most important things that happen in this movie? Kind of beyond what the movie is. I think this is the first time that an American audience got introduced to an animated movie that is so dark the the big three i i think of when it came to like early anime and what came over are, are speed racer sailor moon and dragon ball z dragon ball z in particular very campy they're characters that cut each other in half but they won't show blood they say darn all the time <laughs> uh speed racer the animation budget is so low and things look so like the the voice acting is terrible as far as the dub mm. that we got and then they brought Sailor Moon because they needed something for girls, which mm, <laughs> Dragon Ball Z for boys, yeah. Sailor Moon for girls. <laughs> and then the, the but the big things uh, about those two anime in particular is that they're slow. They're they're slow and they're they they really want to 
have like a family friendly atmosphere. And that's really what, what they brought over. But what we, what we were making here in the States were like, here are cartoons, here are characters. We can make them into toys. We can sell those, those toys. Doesn't matter what the cartoon is. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But when it comes to Akira, it's something so dark. It's something so adult. It's got such a, a heavy message to send and it's, it's bloody it's it's a lot of things that I feel like a lot of other studios were afraid to do. And the animation is so impeccably done. And this was when it had to be drawn by hand, frame by frame. And then the the English dub voice work is done by amazing vo voice actors that are still prominent today. And this was 20 years ago that this movie, no, 30 years ago that this movie came out. It, I, I am as old as this movie. Yeah, it came out the year I was born. So, so however old I am, that's the movie's age also. You, you could watch it now and hear voice actors that are in things now. Like at least in the pioneer dub. I mean, Johnny Johnny Young Bosch is my fucking hero. I've I've fucking loved that dude. So from watching him in Trigun to watching him in Akira to watching uh, him in in Devil May Cry four and five, he is an amazing voice actor. He's one of my favorites, and he's incredible in this movie. And to see the budget be taken so seriously, the material taken so seriously, it's fantastic. So I've only seen the sub version. What? Who does he voice? Tetsuo or Kaneda? He's Kaneda. Oh, okay. Tetsuo, I don't remember off the top of my head, but you can hear voices like the the Colonel is he was in Persona Five, he was in League of Legends and things like that. And <laughs> what a career, damn. Yeah, and and I mean this is thirty years ago, and their voices are still so recognizable. Yeah. The the sub version I've seen once, but the particularly the Pioneer dub version is amazing. What's there was one thing I was gonna say. I was too busy listening to you instead of thinking of what I was gonna say. <laughs> I'm just gushing about Akira. Gosh, it had something to do with when it came out. I don't remember. Probably wasn't important. But yeah, so not to do a whole mm. what's it called recap of the movie, but yep. just tell me some of the things that happened in this movie. So what this movie is in a nutshell, I think the best way I can describe it is it's a futuristic cyberpunk sci-fi version of Carrie written by the Cohen brother. Carrie the Stephen King story? Uh-huh. Where <laughs> someone has just gets powers and they were picked on and this is their whole retaliation. It's that in a sci-fi fiasco. There's a corrupt government, there's protesters, there are people that think Akira, which we find out later, started a third world war. There are religious protesters that praise Akira as a god. And then you have a bike gang that trips over what is a essentially a military psychic made weapon that gives him powers and just how everyone reacts to it. This movie has a lot in common with something like Fargo, where where things happen to a small group of people and there's so much more going on. And at the end of the day, like burn after reading, we learn nothing. <laughs> Everything just kind of happens and then it just goes away in a blip. I, I think that's the best way I could describe it. I know we can we can get into spoilers and things like that, but it's so many th pieces coming together and kind of circling around two 15 year old boys who were childhood friends one of them gaining immense power and someone trying to stop him. Yes. So I was reading a lot today about the parallels between the movie and 
the events of, of World War II and just like how it is related to that. And I think that's one of the, what you said there is one of the interesting things about this movie and several other movies that focus on nuclear disasters, mm -hmm. which is that they sort of portray it as like, ultimately everyone comes together in the end and they're actually like the fact that this horrible thing happened and so many people were killed actually mm -hmm. leads to them being able to overthrow the military because by the end like they're sort of falling apart by the end of the movie which i don't know people have just remarked that that's very interesting considering it is not what really happened <laughs> with <laughs> it actually was very uh devastating in every way and did not we did not bounce back in mm -hmm. such a manner nope but uh Tell me about the first time that you saw the movie. Where were you with who? And tell me about the evolution of your response the first time you saw it versus now. I think when I was about 11, maybe 12 years old, my best friend Sean showed up with a VHS and was like, we got to watch this shit. <laughs> uh, and we sat in one of our bedrooms. I don't remember who it was on like a, a little CRT TV and just watched explosions and bike gangs and <laughs> after so then it was like it was just the visuals of it just seeing like the characters on these weird crazy futuristic motorcycles and how they animated the lights going around turns and things like that and huge transformations and elements of horror and action and friendship and i think akira was what made me like anime it did the opposite of what inuyasha did which is what made me hate anime <laughs> there's like there's a sweet spot where akira got me into it and inuyasha got me back out of it and i'm slowly <laughs> starting to trickle in because it's the good and inuyasha's terrible i hate it but we don't need to get into that i loved inuyasha but it's well, okay that's fine. their own <laughs> that's fine they just yell each other's names a lot <laughs> which is also what happens in akira honestly this is true they it's just uh, the stakes are a little higher when they yell each other's names back and forth yeah but i i remember just sitting in a in a bedroom watching this movie with cool bike people and hearing johnny young Bosch's voice for and then i, I could pick him out of a lineup he was recently Broly in Dragon Ball Super, a character that mostly just yells. And I was like, Johnny Young Bosch, that's him. <laughs> that's, that's him right there. Nice. So when you the first time you saw it, it was kind of like, ooh, bright colors and bike gangs and stuff. How has it changed to now? So now there's, a, there's I mean, I, I recognize a lot more layers to it. There, there are things like when I was younger that I, I didn't really understand. Uh, like I remember particularly when I was younger, there's the Colonel and then there's Ryu from the resistance group that reunites with K later. I didn't know those were different characters. Oh, <laughs> I was like guy with mustache, other guy with mustache. So that yeah. was like a huge gap yeah. when I watched it before, but now there's, there's so many other layers that I noticed early in the movie. There's an attempted like suicide bombing. I believe that's one of like the religious protesters that like worships Akira. There are, there are a lot of layers I didn't see. I didn't actually toward the end what I didn't know what an orbital strike was when they essentially just blast Tetsuo with a satellite, but I was able to see some things. The one that always that I remember distinctly is the, the first hospital scene where Tetsuo is in the hospital and he's visited yes. by the three children that are like animated toys mm -hmm. uh, and like there's milk everywhere and they get freaked out by blood. And it's like this is a weird comparison to make, but it's like Pinocchio where there are just 
there's there's just a, a chunk of it where it's just horror elements <laughs> there's a lot of like body horror and things like that in the movie but that's like actually really fucked up and scary when mm-hmm. when when that whole that whole thing goes down but when it comes to because I, I think it was saving saving private ryan there was someone who was trying to put their own guts back in Oof. I haven't seen it. And I, I think it's that movie when that happens. It was parodied in that Sausage Party movie with like one of the cans of soup trying to put his oh. guts back in. <laughs> but Tetsuo doing that. And I, as a kid, I didn't know he was hallucinating. I didn't know what was really happening. But like the visuals of it are so striking and so gory that now I understand it more, which is better than just seeing cool bike. It's it's not it's. <laughs> It's that picture of like the going overhead is like, ooh, cool bike movie. And that's, I mean, it's, it's probably the most famous thing from it is Canada's bike, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. I remember what I was going to say earlier, because it was mm-hmm. when you mentioned first seeing it, or you mentioned that this was like one of the first times that American audiences were be able to see an animation being really dark and being for adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was actually the origin story of how I ended up watching this movie. My mom and I moved in with her boyfriend and he had his own collection of movies and I loved movies. And I asked, oh, can I watch the movies that you have? And he was like, yeah, you can watch any of them. You can't watch these three. One of them was Akira because he was like, these because these ones are too adult for you. You're too young to watch these. And I was like, okay. And then as soon as they left, I watched all of those movies. (laughs) I think Akira might have been the first one that I watched. And the scene that you mentioned is the exact same one where like Mm -hmm. I didn't know what was going on. And I think in sort of a stereotypical girl reaction, I wasn't interested in the bike gangs. I was just Mm -hmm. like, "This, what is adults about this? There's just a bunch of dudes on bikes. (laughs) And I was kind of like, not bored, but I was kind of starting to check out. And I was trying to figure out like, what's so interesting about this? Because it also, it came in a metal box because I think it was the Criterion Collection Mm -hmm. release. It's one of the only animated films that's been released through the Criterion Collection. And I was like, clearly a lot of people think this is special, but right now all I'm seeing is a bike gang. Mm-hmm. And then that hospital scene happened with the hallucination. And I'd never seen anything like that in any movie or TV show. And I was yeah. like blown away and completely hooked after that. Cause like the mystery that it unravels with that of what, what is happening with him? Is he actually seeing that? Cause it's like partially a hallucination and then partially, I mean, it actually is happening because the kids are doing that in his brain. So it's mm-hmm. not like an organic hallucination from his own brain. It's from them and yeah, the superpowers and everything. It's just very cool. And and even going back to just looking at it, even before it gets to that point, there, there are things in later watches I didn't, I didn't realize because like the beginning is very action heavy. And then you start to realize when you watch it, with kind of a more mature brain, how fucked up the society is in this movie. I mean, these, mm-hmm. all the kids are 15 years old mm-hmm. and they're actively killing each other in the streets and their punishment is getting slapped by the, one of their teachers. And it's like yeah. the, when you, when you look past like the cool visuals and you see like there's graffiti all over the school and None of this can be, nothing can be done. The police are all corrupt and they're dealing with protesters. And Kanada talks about how cool his bike is. And he's like, if you want one like this, go steal one yourself. Yeah. So it's like, he has this really distinct bike and 
that is obviously that, that he tells us is stolen and the police are doing nothing about it. Mm -hmm. That bike, just like the way the gears shift are weird when Tetsuo drives it for the first time and he talks about how customized it is. That's an easy bike to pick out of like that kid stole my bike. <laughs> Yeah. And no one is looking for it. And there are active bike gangs swinging. Someone gets hit by a motorcycle sitting in a restaurant and <laughs> everyone is like miffed by it. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, a younger viewer, you see a cool action scene as an adult viewer. You're like, this is like really, really bad. They're slapped on the wrist. I mean, there's someone who in the very beginning, you see someone just shot dead in like a riot and someone like that same person pulls a gun out in in bumper to bumper traffic and people don't really react too strongly you know mm -hmm. it's 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 crazy going back and seeing how how dystopian this dystopia movie is yeah and it's so interesting to me to wonder what otomo was drawing how much of it was like an accurate depiction of parts of japan because of the fact that this was portraying what Tokyo was like after an atomic bomb was dropped on it wasn't actually an atomic bomb it was Akira mm. behaving like an atomic bomb but yeah yeah I wonder I'm really curious like how much of that was just taken from things he'd actually seen with the like futuristic technology aside yeah I mean it's something that's that was so devastating it's like they I mean that's how Godzilla was created they mm -hmm. kind of had the the metaphor of their city being attacked by a giant monster is how impactful that was. And then that got away from him and then he's flying in the air doing drop kicks. And <laughs> but that's an entirely different thing. Yeah, I did read something interesting about that today, though, that I hadn't known because what mm. year did the original one come out? 50 something 1954. Okay, mm. yeah. So yeah, the bomb was dropped in 45. And then the first Gojira came out in 54. I always knew that like, oh, yeah, it's like a metaphor. It has to mm. do with the atomic bomb and all that. But what I didn't know that I just read today was that apparently after the American occupation of Japan, everyone was forbidden from discussing or portraying the nuclear bombings as negative. Mm. Like you couldn't say that it was negative. Yeah. And you weren't even supposed to talk about it at all. And there were they weren't even allowed to use the word nuclear bomb or atomic bomb on television, like the news anchors and stuff. Mm. And so that was part of the reason it wasn't just they were like, oh, let's be artistic and make it a monster. Instead, they were like, we can't talk about it. So we yeah. got to make it a monster. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, I, I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Yeah. How would you say this movie has changed or affected your life? One of the big things about it is this is a movie that made me love voice acting. I've mm. only been able to audition a couple times, but it's something I've always wanted to do. And I'm someone who really looks into voice actors and really follows their work. And it's made me such a huge fan of, of Johnny Young Bosch. I saw him in, oh, I guess I heard him in, in Trigun before, before Akira, but it's something that I've, I've always, I mean, we talked earlier with, with Lion King, I loved animation so much and Disney, they hired like, I mean, the symbol was Jonathan Taylor Thomas and Matthew Broderick. They were all Hollywood actors. And I mean, even with the new Lion King, they were all Hollywood actors. Mm. But I've always respected people who take voice work so seriously. I mean, Kevin Conroy, who was Batman in the Batman animated series, he's like a classically trained Shakespearean actor. Like, damn, he's incredible. They didn't know 
who he didn't know who Batman was when he auditioned for it. That's so funny. He thought of it less of a superhero and more of a like a tragic Shakespearean character, which comes mm-hmm. out when with how he plays Batman. And mm-hmm. and I think voice work is something that should be taken so much more seriously. And this is a movie that is animated and it's got its jokey parts, but it it's something that is such a serious film that I think we definitely lost the plot of animated movies. And I, I think really when it came back to like the Miles Morales movie where we can take animation really seriously, but between this, we kind of get the the schlock of like the Hotel Transylvanias and things like that, where it's just like, we'll just shell out these Minions movies so we can sell shirts and toys and things like that. But this is something, a movie that's justifiably taken so seriously and has just made me really respect how how much work it really is to make a movie look this good without the technology they had at the time. It had to be a passion project, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I love that Katsuhiro Otomo is the, he, like, he wrote the manga and then he got to to write and direct the movie as well, which I think is part of, like, why it turned out so good. And I was reading that the number of frames, I didn't write down the numbers because it was mm-hmm. too many numbers. <laughs> the number of, like, frames and shots for this movie was, like, two-thirds higher, more mm-hmm. than you would normally see for a movie of the of the same length because they, yeah, they put so much work into this. Yeah. And it's something that's still, it's still referenced to this day. It's, uh, I mean, Splatoon 3 came out like what, a week ago? And there's mm-hmm. like a motorcycle you can get that and he does the, the Kaneda slide. Like nice. it's still, it's still around. <laughs> Love it. This movie influenced you to be very, to become very passionate about voice acting and pursue that a little bit. Any other effects on your life, you'd say? One thing I didn't, I didn't realize for, uh, for a long time is that this is how you do an adaptation. I don't know if you've ever seen the the Akira manga, but they're they're huge. Yeah, everything was taken so seriously for the adaptation. Of sure, of course, there are things you're going to cut out, and I'm sure if this was made now, I bet it would be like a three or a four hour movie. Damn it, there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, it's gone now. About how it's affected your life. Oh yeah, the thing I love about this movie, and it makes me judge a lot of other movies, is they they don't insult your intelligence. They don't explain everything. You have to you have to just kind of be willing to watch and understand instead of the movie really spelling out what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I don't think enough movies are willing to let something be unknown for a long time. Mm-hmm. You can just see something, take it in, and understand what it is later. I feel like a lot of movies nowadays are afraid to do that yeah i think that's a very american thing like american movies Mm -hmm. are all about exposition like it's Mm -hmm. started and then it's just getting worse and worse because what american audiences will pay the most money for is something that is very digestible Mm -hmm. and is appeals to the widest amount of people which is not what art is art isn't something that the most amount of people can pay money for it's like Mm -hmm. it's going to hit for some people and it's not going to hit for other people you don't have to hit everyone unless you're a money-grubbing financier who wants the most money and yeah it fucking sucks and i but i do think it's very much an american thing because when you watch foreign films and foreign tv they don't do that there's a lot of times where you're just like i just got dropped into this universe and i have no idea what's happening and i love it yeah (laughs) and and you just you have to kind of figure it out both of us grew up in a time where liking marvel comics made you a nerd and a weirdo Mm -hmm. and now it's the most processed thing there's ever been and there's so like there's hours and hours and hours and hours of just movies before anything else but 
I would love to see, this is going to be like a, a finger going down in the monkey's paw. <laughs> I would like to see a, a remake of Akira. I would want it to be animated for sure, but I want to see, honestly, it in like double the length. I, I think there's a lot more they could explain because uh, I know there are some things that were cut out of the manga, but I think we as an audience are more willing to give a movie a lot more time. I hope Netflix stays away from it. <laughs> I watched uh, Cowboy Bebop, um, and I'm okay. afraid of Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I so they've been in talks to make a live action version of Akira for a long time, and I'm just like, please let it never work out. So like lots of people have been assigned and dropped out. Mm -hmm. The last person to be assigned to it is Taika Waititi, who I fucking love. I love everything he's ever done, mm -hmm. except for some tweets he's made. <laughs> <laughs> but... No, this new movie does not need to be live action. Like no. that, the whole thing about it is that it's animated. They changed animation forever. Why the hell would you make this like historical groundbreaking animated film into live action? For why? I'm I'm afraid of it. I'm, I'm afraid if they if they had to do live action, as long as Netflix stays away from it, then it should be it should be passable because we we all watch Death Note and nope, don't do it. I don't remember Death Note, but yeah, Cowboy Bebop was a awful travesty. Awful. They they found a way to ruin the majority of characters in that that whole ugh, terrible. It felt like it. Well, it was worse, but it did remind me of the Lion King, you know, quote live adaptation. In that, yeah. like, I could not connect with the characters. I only made it two episodes in, but I was just like, "Where is no. the soul?" <laughs> no, there wasn't one. They they had a really good theme song. Oh yeah. <laughs> They, they 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 adapted that pretty well everything else was a misfire yeah well getting to the end here mm -hmm. is there anything else that you would like to say about this movie either to encourage people to watch it or just anything else that you want to say about it no i think i, I think i put it all out there laid it all out watch cool watch watch cool bike gangs watch cool bike gangs <laughs> yeah bottom line yeah really cool bike shit yeah get a get a red jacket with a big pill on it that says, <laughs> oh that jacket is so cool mm -hmm. <laughs> do you have do you have one of those jackets i i should honestly <laughs> i should i should get it yeah cool well thank you so much for for being on this has been a blast yeah awesome i appreciate you having me yeah and if anyone would like to find you online or see any of your shows or activities where could they do that pretty much on everything twitch twitter instagram it's bowmania rules on pretty much everything just my last name ia rules i, I haven't been on twitch for a while I'll, I'll be making my way back eventually but if you want to hear me talk about warhammer too much and paint miniatures on camera that's pretty much exclusively what i do um that or build legos that's been happening a lot Nice. I have the NES Nintendo Lego set. It's like 2,000 pieces. So Ooh, that's that's going to be happening. You can find me if you want to see the, the nerdiest, most niche shit in the fucking world. <laughs> that's, where, that's where it is. Yeah, but people love it. Like you have a lot of, there's, you always got a lot of people watching and a lot of people on your Discord who are just like, hell yeah. yeah. Warhammer people are just fun. They're just a positive group of, of people that just want to play with their plastic toys. Yeah, it seems like it. They seem like a really good gang. Oh yeah, fantastic. Cool, this has been great. Thanks again for being on. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. And remember everybody, bring your own popcorn.
Yay, the robot Leave will ask meeting. for consent. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm out of here. That's the opposite. <laughs>